Okay, welcome everybody. Does everybody have an outline? No? Who doesn't have an outline? Okay, are there outlines left back here? Rodney's got them. Oh, you got them? Okay. Oh, here, we're down here, Rodney. Right down here. Mitchell needs one. A couple other guys here. Anybody back here? Y'all got an outline? Okay, wonderful. Uh, we are continuing in the book of Exodus tonight on chapter 17. And there's something very wonderful in chapter 17. Uh, water came out of a rock and watered 2 million people for 40 years. And so that's what we want to talk about tonight is uh, drinking this living water. And uh, I'm speaking to you tonight not only uh, as a brother in Christ, but also as a scientist. <laughs> And I want to tell you that there's a science to drinking the living water. There's a science to it. That means it is testable, it is reproducible, it is predictable. If certain conditions are met, you will drink living water. You will drink the water that the Lord wants to give us, which is really just himself. Uh, how about we read the title together? Go. The Science of Drinking and Flowing the Living Water to Fulfill God's Purpose. God has a purpose. He wants to fulfill his purpose. And to fulfill his purpose, he needs us who were created in his image and likeness to drink him. Could you believe that God is available as a drink? How about we read the, the banner verse there under the title? Go. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, which hold no water. God is describing himself in this verse as a fountain of living waters. And what a shame it was that his own people would not drink of him. But rather, they were drinking of other things. They were even digging holes in the ground, cisterns that didn't even hold any water. But in the process, they turned away from God, who, who is this fountain of living water. And God considered that a great evil. Uh, <clears throat> well, um, I got three questions to start with tonight. The first question is, what is God's eternal purpose? We just have to consider this question tonight for this particular topic. What is God's eternal purpose? God's eternal purpose is to mingle himself with man. He wants to mingle himself with man. And so in order for God to mingle himself with humanity... How can God accomplish this? How is God going to accomplish the mingling of divinity with humanity? That's the second question. And uh, the way he does this, it's revealed all, the, all through the scriptures. From Genesis to Revelation, we see the way that God can mingle himself with humanity. 
And that way is that he has to come into us. God, his purpose is to mingle himself with humanity. To do that, he has to get inside of us. And so the last question I have is how can God get inside of you? You have to drink him. You have to take him in. You have to receive him. Get God into your being. And uh, the first point on the paper here is the triune God. <clears throat> you know, there's no verse for, for those who uh, uh, <clears throat> have studied the Bible. You already know that there's no verse in the Bible that contains the word triune or even the word trinity. But yet Christians use these words all the time to describe God. God is triune. There's the, the trinity of the Godhead. There's a university down the road in San Antonio called Trinity University. Where did they get that word? It's not in the Bible. But listen, the Bible from beginning to end is structured with the divine trinity. The very concept and principle of the divine trinity is seen all throughout the scriptures, even though the word is never there. And this verse in Exodus 17, 6 is just one example of many, many, many verses that show that God is triune. He's three at one. How about we read this verse together? Go. I will be standing before you there upon the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it. So you might ask, how do you see the triune God in this verse, or the Trinity? Well, first of all, God is there standing on the rock, right? He says, I will be standing before you there upon the rock. And you shall strike the rock. Well, this rock, the Apostle Paul tells us, that rock was Christ. We don't have to invent any interpretation of the Bible. The Bible interprets itself. Let's read the next verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 4. And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of a spiritual rock which followed them. And the rock was Christ. The rock was what? Christ. The rock was Christ. So God is there standing on the rock, and the rock is Christ. And then the rock was struck. Do you know that Jesus Christ was struck by God on the cross? And out of his side flowed not just blood, but water flowed out. And in the next verse, we see what that water is. Let's read John 7, 38 and 39 together. Go. Believes into me, as the scripture said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. But this he said concerning the spirit. Believed into him were about to receive. For the spirit was not yet because Jesus had not yet been glorified. What's this, this water? Uh, <clears throat> this water, it says, uh, rivers of, wa of living water. What is this rivers of living water flowing out of your innermost being? Right. It's the spirit, Amen. right? So in this one verse, Exodus 17, 6, we see the triune God. God standing upon the rock. The rock is Christ. The spirit flowing out. 
We, will, we may never understand how it is that God could be triune. But the Bible shows us why God is triune. He is triune so he could flow himself into your being. So that his purpose could be fulfilled. His purpose to mingle himself with man. Why does he want to mingle himself with you? Because he wants a visible expression on the earth in humanity. And the only way to get that is to get God into your being. <laughs> and we need to drink him in. <clears throat> okay, let's go on to the next point. The next point is drinking. So let's begin to, to touch this matter of drinking. Um, how about we have the brothers read the verses from John and the sisters, uh, sorry, from John 4, and then the sisters read the verses on John 7. Go. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall by no means thirst forever. But the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water, gushing up into eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I will not thirst nor come here to draw. He said to her, Go, call your husband, and come here. Sisters, now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes into me, as the scripture said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Well, these are two marvelous stories in the Bible, in the Gospel of John, concerning drinking. And the first one, you may be, uh, remember, is the Lord coming to this city in Samaria. Actually, it says he had to go to that city. Later, we discover, if you look at a map, he didn't have to go to that city, geographically speaking, to go to where he was going to go. There was a shorter way. But he had to go there because there was someone there who was thirsty and someone there who was ready and open to receive living water. And that was this Samaritan woman. And she was there uh, getting water at this well in the middle of the day. And the Lord came and he just approached her and he said, give me a drink. He just entered right into her situation and said, give me a drink. And, uh, and that caused this woman to be engaged in a conversation with the Lord. And through this conversation, the Lord told her, uh, if you knew who it was that was asking you for a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. Um, and so, uh, and, and this water would come into you and become a fountain in you, gushing up into eternal life. And, of course, the woman said, uh, Sir, give me this water. Isn't it, wouldn't that be your response? Give me this water so that I will not thirst or come here to draw. And then the Lord, he helped her to confess her sins to the Lord. He said, Go, uh, call your husband and come here. Of course, if you read on in the story, you realize she had five husbands, and the one she was living with was not her husband. And so uh, she told him, I don't have a husband. And he said, you're, you're right. 
You told the truth. Thank you for confessing. You don't, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And the one you're living with is not your husband. So he helped her to confess. You know, this is one thing that's important. It's a condition that has to be met if we are to drink the living water. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so I underlined a few phrases in this section to see some of the conditions, some of the uh, scientific conditions that have to be met if we are going to drink the living water. First, it says, you would have asked him. You know what? We have to ask the Lord. Amen. The Lord has been pro uh, processed for us. He's gone through a process of incarnation, human living, crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, outpoured as the Holy Spirit upon all flesh. He's waiting for us now just to drink, just to ask him, Lord, give me a drink. Amen. We have to ask him. And then... Um, and, and, of course, the, the woman here, she did. She, Sir, give me this water. And then, as I mentioned, we have to confess our sins. There might be a barrier between us and the Lord. That's called sin. It's separating us. And the Lord, in his mercy, would even help us to repent, to confess. Lord, I'm sorry. I did this. I said that. I went there. As soon as we confess, you know what? The barrier is gone, and the living water can come in. Then in the next, uh, well, uh, let me just, let me just uh, say something a little more here. You know, sometimes um, <clears throat> I like to walk around the campus to share the gospel with people. In fact, I'll take some of the brothers here. Some of the brothers know we just go on a little gospel stroll around the campus. We pass out some, some gospel tracts. We meet people. We share the gospel. Sometimes people even pray to receive the Lord right there on the sidewalk. Well, on the East Mall, just east of the statue of uh, Martin Luther King, there's a fountain. And sometimes I'll just stand at the top of the stairs there and I'll just grab someone that's walking up the stairs. I'll say, let me tell you about this fountain here. <laughs> You know, notice this fountain has three sections. And in this upper section here, there's a fountain. It, when that thing is turned on, the water gushes up. It gushes up pretty high, like maybe 20 feet. I don't know why. They haven't turned it on in a while. But, uh, but there's a lot of spouts there. They're shooting up water. I said, you know what? When you believe in Jesus Christ, God installs a fountain in your spirit gushing up into eternal life. And as you enjoy this fountain and drink this living water, you know what? It overflows into your soul. That's the next section down there in the fountain. You have a soul. You have a spirit to receive the Lord. You have a soul to express the Lord. But the Lord who was installed in your being as a fountain needs to overflow into your soul. And then finally, he'll, he'll even flow into your mortal body and transfigure your body and glorify you. So your whole being will be saturated and permeated with God. And how does he do that? He installs himself as a fountain of water in our spirit, gushing up into eternal life. Don't you want to have this, this fountain installed in your being? Anyways, it's a good way to preach the gospel, to use that fountain as a real example or a, an illustration. Then this next section here in John 7, we see a few more conditions 
scientific conditions. If these conditions are met, you will drink living water. Uh, in this verse, 737, you know what? We need to be thirsty. The, the story here is that the Lord, he went to this feast of the Jews. Uh, it had been going on for seven days, eating, drinking, drinking, eating, feasting. And the Lord came on the last day and he stood up and he cried out, is anybody thirsty? You know, that proves that the water in the world that we take in to try to quench our thirst, it's not real water. It doesn't last. It runs out. You can be, you can be drinking, trying to quench your thirst, your inner thirst, drinking in sports, drinking in entertainment, drinking in music, drinking in education, drinking in careers, drinking in the American dream. And you know what? It just runs out. It might satisfy for a little while. People have midlife crises, right? They, they were just drinking and drinking and drinking. They thought, oh, this is great. But then they get, you know, midlife, whatever, that, whatever age that is, and they have a crisis. They're bored. That water ran out. Anyways, we need to be thirsty. We need to be thirsty. And, and sometimes we may find ourselves not thirsty. Because maybe because we've been drinking other things, we're just not so thirsty. Uh, maybe a brother will ask you, you know, how, how, how's your Bible reading? And you might say, oh... You know, I read that a couple years ago. I don't, I don't really have an interest in it now. There's nothing new there. I already read that. I know that. But a thirsty person will be like, you know, I read this uh, before, but I'm reading it again, and there's, there's more water here. There's more enjoyment. There's more God being dispensed into my being. So by the Lord's mercy, we need to be thirsty. If we sense that we're not thirsty... We need to ask the Lord, Lord, uh, I'm not so thirsty. Increase my thirst. It's a serious thing to have no thirst. It's serious. If we're not thirsty, we won't drink. If we don't drink, we can't get mingled with God. If we don't get mingled with God, God's purpose doesn't get fulfilled. You know, God needs us more than we need Him. He made us for His purpose. So we need, we need to be thirsty. Um, and then another uh, thing that I underlined here is come to me and drink. The Lord says, come to me. We have to come to the Lord. It's interesting, in, in John 5, the, uh, the Pharisees and scribes were there disputing with the Lord and so forth, and the Lord, uh, he called them on the carpet. He said, he said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you will have eternal life. And actually, it is these scriptures that will give you eternal life, but you're not willing to come to me that you could have life. So when we come to the Word, you know, some people come to the Word of God because they just like the intellectual stimulation. Uh, but we, we need to come to the Word of God seeking the Lord, realizing the Lord is here. He's embodied in this Word. He's waiting for us to open to Him in the Word so that He could dispense His living water into us. Yeah. 
which is just himself. And then another uh, phrase here is believes into me. You know, by believing, we take and receive. I'm thinking of uh, in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, As many as uh, be, uh, received him to all those who believed into his name. So to receive God is to believe. We need to believe. We need to exercise faith to believe. And, uh, you know, the more we uh, exercise to drink and open and receive him, the more our faith is filled up. Um, but anyways, our believing receives. There's a, there's a good scripture on this. You'll get into it in your reading from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. <clears throat> this verse says... Um, that um, in one spirit we have all been baptized into one body and we've been given to drink one spirit. <clears throat> this, <clears throat> this means that we have already been positioned in the right place to drink the living water. It's nothing you did. God himself put you in the right place. When you believed and you were baptized, you got immersed into the spirit. And you know what? If you're, okay, let's say you're under the water. You're immersed in, in water. Uh, and you open your mouth when you're underwater. What's going to happen? The water's going to get inside of you, right? <laughs> so we, we've been immersed in one spirit. And we've been given to drink one spirit. So the question is, how do we drink? How do we drink? We need to open our mouth. We've been put into the Spirit. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians that says that it is of God that we are in Christ Jesus. We're in Him. We're in the right position. But we need help. Uh, we need to see how. How do we drink? We need to open our mouth. And just a few verses earlier in verse 3 of that chapter... 1 Corinthians 12, 3, it says, No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So the way to drink is to open our mouth and call on the Lord. Jesus is Lord. <clears throat> Lord Jesus. This is a good way to drink. Uh, <clears throat> amen. And again, I just want to point out that these, if these conditions are met, you will drink living water. This is testable. This is reproducible. This is uh, predictable. I predict that if you do these things, you will drink living water. Amen. Now listen, there's one more condition. There's one more condition. Besides these that we've already mentioned, asking, we need to ask the Lord for the water. Um, we need to confess our sins. If there's any barrier between us and the Lord, <clears throat> we have to confess. Um, we have to be thirsty. And if we're not thirsty, we need to pray for thirst. Lord, increase my thirst. Make me thirsty. Lord, I just confess. Other things are, are filling up my being. I don't have room for you. I want to be thirsty for God. Realize the seriousness of, of no thirst. Um, come to him. Come to the Lord. And then believe. 
We need to believe that he has been fully processed and he's available right now as a drink for us. But listen, there's one more condition, and that's the next point, point three, flowing, flowing. We need to practice flowing out God. Um, there's an illustration of a garden hose. You know, if you, uh, most of you have probably seen garden hoses, and uh, you hook up the garden hose to the spigot on the side of your house, and the, the hose might be 50 feet long, and on the other end there's a, there's a nozzle, right, that you can spray the water uh, if you're pulling the trigger. If you're not pulling the trigger, there's, it's closed, right? Nothing's coming out. Well, when you first turn on the spigot, water starts to come in and fill that water hose. But if the other end is not open, then eventually that water hose is going to get filled with water and no more water is going to come in. Even though it's, it's hooked up to the spigot, the spigot's wide open, the water's there, but it's not coming in. You're not drinking. The reason you're not drinking is because you're not opening the other end of the hose. That means you're not opening your mouth to speak Christ, to call on the Lord, to sing to the Lord, to tell others about the Lord, and so forth. This is what we mean by flowing out God to others. If we want to drink more, we have to flow out more. In fact, these two things are directly proportional. If we flow out a little bit, we'll drink a little bit. If we flow out more, we'll drink more because there's more room in our being for more God to come in. So this matter of flowing is a crucial um, <clears throat> condition to drinking the living water. Uh, we need to practice speaking. And uh, I have these verses from Isaiah 12. These are really good. Actually, contained in these in these verses are six ways to flow out God. And, and actually, uh, Isaiah connects the flowing out with the drawing of water from the wells of living water. How about we read these verses all together? Therefore, you will draw water with rejoicing from the springs of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Jehovah. Call upon his name, make his deeds known among the peoples, remind them that his name is exalted, sing psalms to Jehovah, for he has done something majestic, let it be made known in all the earth, cry out and give a ringing shout, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel." Anyways, I challenge you to find six ways to open your mouth and flow out God. And if you do flow out God, you'll be drinking more from the wells of salvation. Praise the Lord. The springs of salvation. Well, uh, many Christians either don't drink the living water or they find that their drinking avails nothing. And the reason for this is because of a lack of flowing, flowing out God. Um, so finally, uh, we come full circle now to God's purpose. God's purpose. The first two chapters of the Bible show us God's purpose. He created man in his image and likeness and gave him to have dominion. 
Man was made in the image of God to express God and given to have dominion to represent God. But the only way that can be accomplished is if God himself gets imparted into our being. And that happens when we drink him in. And he's available as living water. Don't you want to drink him in? I want to drink him in more and more. Praise the Lord. Well, I think we'll stop here and give you a chance to to break up into little groups and, and read some of these excerpts, have some fellowship, and then we'll come back together in maybe 15 minutes and give you a chance to flow out so that you can drink more.